The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Our scripture text for this morning's message is Genesis 24. Genesis 24. I'm actually going to be reading certain sections, but you can follow along. Genesis 24, starting in verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. May I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from my land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed to your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden who no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar from her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. 
and she drew water for his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to my house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now skipping down to verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, good or bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. And now down to verse 62. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lohi Roy, and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to mediate in the field toward evening. And he lifted his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man who is in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's go to the Lord once more in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your amazing grace that would save a wretch like me. Thank you for your saving work at the cross. Thank you for your saving work in our lives and drawing us to yourself. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to pour out your grace now to us even this morning as we look into your word. Lord, we pray that in your grace and your kindness to us that you would open up our eyes so that we might see you more clearly, that we would know you more deeply, love you more fully, Lord, and that we would trust you, Lord. And so teach us about yourself, Lord. Show us yourself so that we might walk with you in a deeper faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been on the bad end of a broken promise? I remember a job that I had uh, many years ago where I was making five and a half dollars an hour and I was promised a raise. I was excited about that. (laughs) And unfortunately, my employer never followed through on that promise and I was pretty disappointed about that. Now, in the big scheme of things, that's not really a big deal. A raise of 25 or 50 cents would not have made a big difference for me between poverty and riches. 
But when the stakes are higher, a broken promise can be extremely painful and even life-altering. When a father or mother fails to keep an important promise to their children, or when a husband or wife breaks their marriage vows, the consequences of that are, are devastating. In fact, the greater that the promises are, the greater the consequences when those promises aren't kept. And so when God makes promises of epic proportions, promises that have to do with the salvation of the world, it's important to know whether or not he's going to keep those promises. <laughs> when he makes promises to you and me, promises like he's going to be with us through our trials, that he's going to work everything together for our good, that he's going to uphold our faith all the way to the end, we need to know, is God going to follow through on those promises? If, if God keeps his promises, then there's hope for you and me, both for this life and for eternity. If he doesn't keep his promises, then we are utterly hopeless. Genesis 24 shows us that God absolutely will keep every one of his promises because he has the ability and the character to do so. That's extremely important, isn't it? When a man makes a promise, he needs to, to have the ability to keep it. And he needs to have the, the character to follow through on his commitment. As we've been studying Genesis, we've seen that God has made a number of magnificent promises, world-changing promises. And it is good news that God has the, the ability, the sovereign power to keep those promises. And he has the loving and faithful character that leads him to always keep his commitments. This morning in Genesis 24, we get to see one of the great love stories of the Bible. The title of this sermon is A Love Story for the Ages. We're going to see how Rebecca came to marry Isaac and how they fell in love with each other. But the love between Isaac and Rebecca is actually not the primary love story that we find in this passage. I want you to see this morning how Genesis 24 puts God's faithful, committed love on display and how it really teaches us to trust our sovereign and loving God who always keeps his promises. Most of all, I want to let the word of God summon you this morning to trust in the Redeemer, the Redeemer that God promised would come as the offspring of Abraham, the Redeemer who now has come to bring God's promised blessing to all the nations. And so this story unfolds really in four stages or four scenes. And we're going to see something important as we walk through each one of these scenes. First of all, we're going to see the promise of God, which is given to Abraham. Second, we're going to see God's sovereignty over events and circumstances. Third, we're going to see God's sovereignty over human hearts. And then fourth, finally, we'll see God's promise fulfilled. And so let's look now at how Genesis 24 teaches us to trust in the ability and character of our God to keep his promises. And so as we begin, I, I just want to remind you of where we're at in the story of Abraham. In Genesis 12, of course, God called Abraham to leave his homeland and his family and follow him to the place that the Lord would show him. And as the story continues, God promises several times to make Abraham into a great nation. In other words, God promised to give him countless descendants. God even promised that all of the nations of the earth would be, would be blessed through Abraham's offspring. 
Now, all the way back in Genesis 3, if you remember, right after Adam and Eve fell into sin in the Garden of Eden, God promised that the offspring or the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And that is really the first promise of a redeemer that we find in the whole Bible. And so when God tells Abraham, all the nations are going to be blessed through your offspring, it means that the redeemer who is promised all the way back in Genesis 3 is going to come through Abraham's family. And not only did God promise Abraham countless descendants and that the redeemer, the serpent crusher, would be one of them, he also promised to give Abraham the entire land of Canaan. Last week, in Genesis 23, we saw Abraham's faith that God is going to keep that promise. When Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the land of Canaan, he was saying, I believe that God is one day going to give this place to my descendants because God is going to keep his promises. And so as we arrive now in Genesis 24, Abraham's son Isaac is grown up. He's about 40 years old at this point. The promises of countless offspring and of blessing for the nations are being funneled now through Isaac. There's only one problem, though. Isaac doesn't have a wife. And so with all that in mind, now look at verse 1. It says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So this verse is really highlighting God's faithfulness in keeping his promises to bless Abraham. And it leads us to expect that God is going to continue to bless Abraham and his offspring, just as he's already been doing for, for many years. But of course, in order for Abraham's offspring to continue for more than one generation, Isaac needs a wife. And so, how is that going to happen? Well, in verses 2 through 4, Abraham charges his number one servant, who's actually never named in this story. We don't know what the name of the servant is. He's just this chief servant. Abraham charges him to go on a long journey to find a wife for Isaac. Verse 2, Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. Abraham, of course, has been living in Canaan for decades. He knows that the Canaanites worship false gods. He knows that if Isaac marries a Canaanite woman, she'll probably lead him astray and their family will eventually just be assimilated into the Canaanite people and become idol worshipers. And so that's not an option. Abraham wants Isaac to marry a woman from his own kindred, or you could also translate this word in verse 4, his own clan. In that culture 4,000 years ago, there was the extended family that was the, the, the closest at least, unit of society, and then there was the clan, and then the tribe. And so this woman doesn't necessarily need to be from Abraham's extended family, although that would be preferable. She just needs to be part of the clan. Abraham is, is really trusting God here to provide a faithful wife for Isaac who will help him to preserve the promise of offspring. And so in the next couple of verses now, the servant basically says, well, Abraham, what if I find a good candidate and she won't come? What if she's not willing to leave her homeland and her, and her family? 
Should I bring Isaac there to marry her? And Abraham says, absolutely not. You may not bring Isaac back there. God's plan was to create a people living in his place, enjoying his presence. And so if Isaac leaves this place and goes back to where Abraham came from, then they were basically giving up on the whole project. And so in verse 7, Abraham tells his servant, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And so Abraham is really, really trusting in God's promise at this point, isn't he? He believes God's promise to bless all the nations through his offspring. He knows that in order for that to happen, Isaac needs a faithful wife. And so he's simply telling his servant, God's going to take care of this. This is, this is not a problem for God. You don't need to worry. He's going to take care of everything because the Lord always keeps his promises. Have you ever been in a situation where you're worried about something, really anxious about it, and you share your burdens with an old, wise, mature believer, and he or she says to you, God will take care of it. You don't need to worry. I've been in that situation dozens of times before. God always comes, comes through. You can trust him. <laughs> That's basically what's happening here. Abraham is a seasoned believer. He's grown in his faith over the years, and he's encouraging his servant now. God is the right woman waiting for my son 500 miles from here. Just get on your camel and go. God will take care of everything else. And so here at the beginning of Genesis 24, it's clear that Abraham believes God's promises to give him this place and to make his family into a great people. And he believes that God is going to do everything necessary to keep those promises, even by providing a wife for Isaac who will leave her homeland, leave her family, and become the new matriarch of the Holy Family. And so now in the second scene, in verses, beginning in verses 10 and 11, it says that then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. They've traveled 500 miles now, maybe even 600, and they are exhausted, and they need a drink of water. And as the servant sits down by a well, he's going to ask God for help now. Verses 12 through 14. He said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Now, I want you to notice three things here. First of all, God's promise is giving the servant confidence to pray. It's like he has a note from God that says, I'm going to provide a wife for Isaac. And he's bringing this note back to the Lord and he's cashing it in. And he's saying, okay, Lord, now I need you to make good on your promise. 
We're going to come back to this later because I think this is really instructive for our prayer lives, how it teaches us about praying in accord with God's promises. Secondly, the servant is asking God to provide a woman with upstanding character to be Isaac's wife. Now, why do I say that? Well, just think about this. He's praying that God will send a young woman who not only will give him a drink of water, but who will voluntarily offer to water his camels without being asked. At that time in history, using camels for transportation was pretty rare. Only the wealthy could afford a camel. Abraham's servant here and the men with him have 10 camels. And so getting water for all of them is really going to be a daunting task. That's going to be a lot of hard work. And so it's like this servant is pulling into a gas station with a fleet of 10 coach buses and he's praying, okay, Lord, would you send a woman here who's just here to get gas in her car who will not only offer to go in and buy me something to drink, but will even offer to pump gas for all 10 of these buses? <laughs> I mean, who would ever offer to do that? And so the servant is asking God to send a woman who is extremely hospitable, who is kind, who is generous, who is energetic and, and hardworking. In other words, he's asking God to provide Isaac with a wife whose character is exemplary. And then third, notice that in verse 12, the servant prays for the Lord to show steadfast love to my master Abraham. And then he repeats that in verse 14. By this I will know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. This word that's translated steadfast love is one of the most important words in the Old Testament. It's the kind of love that includes not only affection, but it also involves loyalty and, and commitment and faithfulness. I'm sure that many of you here who are parents have, have read your kids the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And that book describes God's steadfast love as his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That's really a good paraphrase of what this word means. And so as Abraham's servant prays, here, he's appealing to the very character of God. He's saying, Lord, I believe that you are a loving God. I believe that you are a faithful, trustworthy God. And so today, as I'm seeking a wife for Isaac, would you act in accord with your character? Would you display your never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love to your servant Abraham by providing a faithful wife for Isaac? Again, this is really instructive for our prayer lives, isn't it? We can never go wrong when we appeal to God on the basis of his character, when we humbly ask him just to show his faithful, steadfast love to us. And now in verse 15, it says, Before he had finished speaking, while he's still praying, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. So the sovereign Lord is already answering this prayer before the servant is even done praying. One commentator says that it's like God is behind the scenes, gently pushing Rebekah onto the stage at the perfect time. Now, the end of Ge Genesis 22 has already given a little bit of a genealogy that shows the family connection here. Very, very briefly, Rebekah, Rebekah's father, Bethuel, is Abraham's nephew and Isaac's cousin. 
And so that means that this is a very close relative. And as the story continues, then Rebecca fills her jar, and the servant runs to meet her. Remember, he, he doesn't know who she, who she is yet. And he asks her for a drink of water. And she gives him a drink. And now what's going to happen next? Could she be the one? Will she offer to water all of his camels as he prayed? Well, verse 19. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. It appears that she might be the one that the Lord is providing for Isaac and so the servant gives her some expensive jewelry and he asks who she is and she tells him, well, I'm the, the daughter of Bethuel. And now the servant knows that this is the daughter of Isaac's cousin. And when he realizes who this woman is, and, and, and he knows that she's done exactly what he prayed that she would do, all he can do is just fall down on the ground and worship God. Verses 26 and 27, the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. The God who created the world at the beginning of Genesis is the God who rules over the world with sovereign authority. This servant traveled five or six hundred miles and the first woman that he meets is exactly who he's looking for. Who could arrange that? Only a, a sovereign God whose providence rules over every atom in the universe. The sovereign God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1.11 This sovereign God is able to keep his promises because he, is, because he has authority over everything. And his perfect character leads him to always follow through on his promises. Did you see that in verse 27? He said, The Lord has not forsaken his steadfast love and faithfulness toward my master. <laughs> the servant prayed, Lord, show your steadfast love. And, and of course the Lord did it. And so this love story is showing us God's sovereignty and it's showing us God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. In fact, if you think about it, Rebecca is better than what even Abraham had hoped for. Remember at the beginning of the chapter, Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for Isaac from his clan. She didn't need to be from the extended family, just from the clan. Rebecca is much better than that. She's his nephew's daughter. And in that culture, of course, marrying within the family was looked at as a, a very good thing. And so she's better than what even Abraham hoped for. God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. God is keeping his promises here. He's providing a wife for Isaac who is far better than even Abraham, the man of faith, had imagined. And so it's no wonder that the servant is responding in worship. 
He's seeing God's sovereignty and his steadfast love on display right before his eyes as these events unfold. And the only fitting response is to just fall down and worship God. And I want you to notice a pattern here. First, God made a promise at the beginning of the chapter. And then the servant prayed for God to keep his promise. And now when God did that, the servant responds with grateful worship. Promise and prayer and worship. We're going to see that pattern again as we move forward. And so now in the third scene, Rebecca takes the servant home so that he and the camels and the other servants with them have a place to spend the night. And as soon as her older brother Laban hears about what's happening, he runs out to meet this man with ten camels. So in the, in the story of Jacob that's coming up in a few chapters, one of the key characters in that story will be greedy Laban. <laughs> And he's already showing his true colors here. Verses 30 and 31. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. (laughs) Oh, you're the rich guy who's handing out gold jewelry? Welcome! Come on in. Why did you spend the night? We're really glad that you're here. (laughs) Now, the normal custom would have been to share a meal together, to relax, and then, once that's done, to, to have a serious conversation. But Abraham's servant wants to get right down to business. And so in verse 33, it says that food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. And so Laban said, speak on. And as the, as the story moves forward, the, the, the servant just shares the story of, of what's happened. Abraham sent me to find a wife for Isaac. He promised that the angel of the Lord would go before me and prosper my way. When I came to the local spring, I prayed, and immediately Rebecca came. She gave me a drink. She watered my camels just like I had prayed. And when I found out that she was a close relative, I just worship the Lord. And so here's that pattern again. You see it in the, in the way that the servant tells the story. God made a promise. I prayed for God to keep that promise. And when he did, I worshiped him. And so in verse 49, now that Rebekah's father and older brother have heard how God has shown his steadfast love to Abraham, the servant asks them if they'll do the same, if they'll allow Rebekah to go and marry Isaac. Verse 49, Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. And so how are they going to respond? Are they going to let Rebekah go and marry Isaac? Verse 50, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. It is so clear that the Lord has orchestrated all of these events that all they can do is say yes. All they can do is say we're, we're, we're helpless. <laughs> the, the Lord is ordaining everything here. Of course you can take her and go. This is remarkable Because Laban is not a godly man. 
This is not a man who loves the Lord and who is just joyfully willing to do the Lord's will. We're going to see in a few chapters that Laban is a swindler. He is a liar and a cheat. But God is sovereign even over Laban's heart, making him willing to give his younger sister to be Isaac's wife. Again, the servant sees that God is at work here. And so in verse 52, it says, When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. Now, the next morning, Laban and his mother are still willing to to let Rebekah go, but they want her to stick around for a little bit longer, maybe about 10 days or so. Maybe Laban is thinking that if he can just delay things a little bit, he can drive up the bride price. Now, the servant is not willing to wait. He's been sent on a mission from God, and he wants to get going immediately. And so they decide, well, let's ask Rebecca. Let's see if she's willing to go. Now, remember at the beginning of the story, when Abraham charged this servant to go and find a wife for Isaac, the servant's biggest fear was what? What if she's not willing to come? What if she won't leave her home and her family? And so this is really the ultimate test now. Will Rebecca go and marry Isaac? Verse 58. And they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. The sovereign Lord has authority over not only Laban's heart, but he most importantly, he has worked in Rebecca's heart so that she is willing to leave her homeland, to leave her family, to cross the desert to marry a man whom she has never even met and become the new matriarch in the holy family. In other words, God is not only sovereign over the events that are taking place, he is even sovereign over the hearts of everyone who's involved here. He's working out his perfect plan so that this woman of upstanding character will become Isaac's wife. And now her family sends her off with their blessing. Verse 60. They blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. It's amazing that this blessing is actually very similar to the blessing that God gave to Abraham back in chapter 22, verse 17. And that happened over 20 years earlier, 500 miles away. Yet again, the sovereign Lord is even putting the words in the mouths of Rebecca's family members. And he's encouraging us to expect that her offspring will be innumerable and that one particular offspring will possess the gate of those who hate him. Or we could say that he will win victory over his enemies. Or we could even say that he will crush the head of the serpent. And so now, in the fourth and final scene of Genesis 24, Rebekah comes to the place where Isaac is living. The servant tells Isaac everything that's happened. And then in verse 67, it tells us, Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. God has kept his promise. He has provided an exemplary woman to be Isaac's wife. 
a woman who, just like Abraham decades earlier, has left her homeland, left her family in order to follow the Lord. And now she's taking Sarah's place as the matriarch of the family. And Isaac loves her. He loves her. He's not just saying, well, I guess this is the marriage arranged by God and so I can put up with her. No, he, he loves her. It's really a, a beautiful picture of the, of the way that marriage is meant to be, isn't it? God has very clearly brought them together. He has led them together and now they're in love. But the greatest love story in Genesis 24 is not the love between Isaac and, Re- and, and Rebecca, even though it is an amazing thing. It is the love that God has for his people. Three times in this text, we've seen that God is showing steadfast love to Abraham. In his love, God is keeping his promise to give Abraham countless offspring, including one particular offspring who will bring the blessing of salvation to the nations. And so this is ultimately a story of God's love for the nations, God's love for all of his chosen people throughout history. Let me say it this way. God provided Rebecca to be Isaac's wife in Genesis 24 so that one day Jesus would be born so that you and I could be saved. That's what's happening in Genesis 24. Don't miss this in this text. Everything that God did in this whole passage is part of his sovereign plan to bring his children into the eternal enjoyment of his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love for you and me. And not only do we see God's love on display here, but we've also seen that God did everything, he did absolutely everything to bring about this marriage. Nothing in this whole story is a coincidence. God is working out his plan in great detail in every moment of this story. And if you think about it, that's how everything is in God's plan of salvation, isn't it? God is the one who promised to send a redeemer all the way back in Genesis 3. God is the one who called Abraham and promised to bless the nations through his offspring. God is the one who many years later sent his son to be born of a virgin. God is the one who willingly gave his son Jesus to die on a cross in the place of guilty sinners like you and me. God is the one who raised his son from the dead. Only the living God could do something like that. God is the one who sends his spirit to work in our dead hearts to bring us to life and to give us saving faith. God is the one who will send his son a second time to judge the world and to bring us into everlasting joy in the new creation. From beginning to end, our salvation is a sheer gift of God's sovereign grace. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Praise God for his sovereign, saving grace. And because God is sovereign, because he is abounding in steadfast love, we can trust his promises. This God will never, ever break his promises to you. He has the ability to keep his promises because he is the sovereign ruler of the universe. And his perfect character, his steadfast love and his faithfulness lead him to always follow through on every one of his promises. In fact, 
If you think about Abraham and Isaac and Rebecca, they were looking forward in faith to the coming of, rede- of the Redeemer. And there were still 2,000 years to go until Jesus came, but they were still trusting God's promise. This is going to happen. But we know from our vantage point, he's come. The Redeemer, Jesus Christ, has come. The only one who could bring God's blessing to the nations has come. He's died. He's risen. He's reigning now in heaven. In fact, we know that Jesus is even greater than anything Abraham could have imagined. Rebecca was better than what Abraham imagined. Jesus is even better than what Abraham could have imagined. Abraham certainly expected one of his descendants to be the man who would bring, bring salvation to the nations. The Redeemer that God sent is not merely a man. He is truly man and truly God. He is the Son of God who took on human flesh, dwelt among us, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, and then rose triumphantly so that everyone who trusts in him will be saved. If you have never trusted in this Savior, then even this morning, would you put your faith in Jesus as the one true Savior, the one who was promised all the way back in Genesis, the one who offers the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life to everyone who will embrace him by faith? And so as we close this morning, let me encourage you to trust in God to trust in all of his promises because he is sovereign and because his heart is abounding in steadfast love. Very practically, in your own walk with God, do that by following the pattern that we've seen here in Genesis 24, the pattern of promise, prayer, and then grateful worship. Find Find a promise in God's word that addresses whatever challenge you might be facing and then bring that promise to the Lord in prayer. Cash it in as you, as you bring that promise, that note of promise back to the Lord and plead with him to make good on his promise. Ask God to show his steadfast love and his faithfulness to you by keeping his word. And then finally, as God comes through and keeps his promises, respond to him with grateful worship and praise him for coming through for you. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you this morning that You kept your promises to Abraham and to Isaac. You have kept your promises to us. And we're so grateful that you have sent the Redeemer and that we know him, that he is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who died and rose for our salvation. Father, I pray this morning for anyone here who's not trusting in Jesus yet, that even today that they would put their faith in him, that you would work sovereignly in their hearts to bring them to life, that they would put their faith in Jesus and be saved. And Lord, for all of us who do know you, would you help us to walk faithfully with you every day, trusting in you, Lord, trusting your promises, trusting in your character and your sovereignty, Lord. Make us confident in you. And Lord, as we do that, may we have the joy of seeing you come through for us And when when you do so, Lord, may we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. 
but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.